God tonight. Want to read along with us and find your place? We'll be in the book of First Timothy, chapter number three. First Timothy, chapter three. Certainly desire your prayers tonight that the Lord help us. I know and realize that within myself I can't do anything. I need His help. And I need His touch tonight, and I desire that you'd pray for us, that we might be a help and a blessing to you, that we might leave, as we say so many times, we leave different than we come, helped by the Lord, and uh, see ourselves in light of the Word of God, as uh, we've been looking at in the Sunday school hour, that the, the mirror of the Word of God would shine in us, reflect in us, and if God would bid us to do business with Him, that we'd do that tonight and leave bettered by being in the house of God. First Timothy chapter 3, when you found your place, if you're able, willing to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. I want to read the entire chapter, just 16 verses here, and uh, I just really want to look at one verse in particular, but I want to read the entire chapter to put it all in its context. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things, Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tell long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. 
I want to preach tonight. God help me for just a few minutes on verse number 15. On how to behave thyself in the house of God. Now, here in this scripture, Paul, we know is the writer. He's writing to his son, Timothy, in the faith. We know that Timothy's a young man. Paul exhorts Timothy on more than one occasion to not let any man despise his youth. And so we don't know for sure. Many people have speculated. Many people have given their opinions. It really doesn't matter, I don't think about Timothy's exact age, but Paul is getting ready to go off the scene. Matter of fact, the next book, 2 Timothy, will be the last letter that Paul writes to this man by the name of Timothy in the faith. We know that Paul, as we mentioned a little bit this morning in the way of passion, that Paul at this time is in prison for preaching the gospel. We know that it was Paul's desire to come to Timothy and to see him. And so he writes to Timothy, hoping to come. In verse number 14, he said, I hope to come to you shortly. But he said, if I don't get to come to you, he said, I've written these things to you that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. Now I want to say tonight that in its context, what Paul is saying is specifically to Timothy how he should behave himself as a leader of the church in the house of God. In its context, we know that many times during the ordination of a pastor or a deacon that this scripture is preached from the majority of the time. These here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 are the qualifications of a pastor and a deacon. We understand that the word bishop in the New Testament is synonymous with the word pastor that we use in our day. And so Paul here writes to him about what the qualifications are. And this is not the qualifications that some association came up with or some organization or some group of people or some assembly of brethren. These are the qualifications that God set apart that if a man's going to rule the church that he ought to meet every one of these qualifications. And so Paul lays them out. He lays out the fact that he, if, the, if a man desires the office of a bishop, if he desires that God puts it in him, and I believe that this verse is linked with what the psalmist said when he said, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he'll give thee the desires of thine heart. I don't believe that verse means God will give you everything your heart desires, but I believe it literally means God will put the right desires in your heart and you'll delight yourself in the Lord. And so what here Paul is saying is not that, it, and I didn't mean to spend much time on this, I thought I'd kind of get over it real fast and go on, but what Paul here is saying is not if a man just up and chooses one day he wants to be the bishop of the church, but if God puts the desire and the calling of God in the heart of a man to be the pastor of the church, then he is holding a good office and he's in a good work. And so it begins because that it is this good work 
work, he begins to lay out the qualifications of a pastor, of a church, a leader of the church of God. And then he goes on to the deacons and he says if they're going to be an elder, a leader in the church, then they also need to have some qualifications. And he says if they, if they use the office in verse number 13 of a deacon well, they purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith that's in Christ. So Paul said these are worthy offices. These ought to be noted offices, respected offices, and they ought not just be given to anybody. But if a man's going to use this office and hold this office, then he must adhere to and meet the qualifications that God set up in his word. And then he gets down and he says, Timothy, I'm writing that you might know how to behave yourself in the house of God. Now in its context I said that Paul is writing to Timothy and the leaders of the church specifically. But I believe tonight that this uh, scripture has application to every child of God that's in the family of God. That there is a way that we should behave ourselves in the house of God. Now if we study this scripture, and I began, God began to deal in my heart this morning about this scripture, and I knew that this after the service went the way it went this morning, I knew that this is where I needed to be tonight, and I desire your prayers. I'm going to try up my best by the help of God to preach from the Bible. I'm not going to give you my opinions. I'm not going to give you what I think, but I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about how we're to behave ourselves in the house of God. Now, if we study the word house, it does literally mean the structure or the building, but it means more than that. The word house also means the family unit. It also means every individual that makes up a collective family. So we can preach tonight and will by the help of God that there's a way to behave ourselves both in the building and in the body of the house of God. You see, the house of God is not just a building. No, it is a building. This is the building that's set apart and designated as the house of God for us to worship in, in spirit and in truth. And I believe that when we come through the door, that there's a way according to scriptures that we should behave ourselves inside the building. But I want to say that it would be hypocritical of us and the Bible speaks very low about people that are hypocritical. It would be hypocritical of us to behave one way in the building and another way in the body. And so if we're going to behave ourselves in the building, then we ought to behave ourselves as well in the body. So what does the Bible say? How should we behave? What governs how we behave ourselves in the house of God. Now there are a lot of preferences that could be preached tonight. There are a lot of thoughts and ideas that I could preach tonight. But I want to preach to what the Bible says about behaving ourselves in the house of God. Now I'm not knocking any preacher 
if God puts it on their heart to preach their preference, I think that's okay. That's what's on their heart. But I want to preach to you tonight the Bible about what it says, about how, what is it that governs, how we as the people of God behave ourselves in the house of God. I have three things God put on my heart. Number one, we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God based on how we reverence the house of God. The house of God's to be revered. According to scripture, Paul said that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And so when Paul says, Timothy, you ought to conduct yourself, you ought to behave yourself in light of the fact that you reverence the house of God. That it is the church of the living God. That it's not just some organization. That it's not just some assembly. That it's not a place for entertainment. It's not, thank God, it was mentioned this morning and I'll say it again. Thank God for yesterday. I had a wonderful time. A wonderful time of fellowship and we laughed and joked and and told stories and had clean fun. Thank God for it. I'm glad for a church family that feels like family where we can get our families together, our children together and not worry about what's going on and we're all like-minded. Don't have to worry about what our children are seeing or hearing. Thank God for that. But that was fun and entertainment and fellowship. But now we're in the house of God. And this is not a place for entertainment. This is not a place for flashing lights and fancy shows. This is not a place we're living in a day where that brother of the music of the house of God move their feet rather than move their heart. I want my heart moved. I don't care much about my feet being moved unless God's in it. But I want to turn my heart. I want it to run down deep in me. And so because of that, when I consider how holy this place is, and it ain't the building that makes it holy. It ain't the pews that make it holy. It ain't the pulpit that makes it holy. But it's the God that makes it a holy place. I thought about Moses on the backside of the desert. I'm just going to preach how it's on my heart tonight. Moses traveling on the backside of the desert and all of a sudden the Bible said that he saw a bush that was on fire yet it was not consumed and it said he turned aside to see why that this bush was not consumed and there spoke a voice out of the bush and said Moses, Moses draw not nigh hither until you take off your shoes for the place you stand is holy ground and now say tonight the sand that was in that place was the same sand ten foot over that way and ten foot over that way. The bush that was on fire is the same type of bush. Now you say was that why did Moses just say the Bible said he just saw that it wasn't consumed. Didn't it amaze Moses that the bush was on fire it got so hot they caught on fire every day. And that bush was the same bush ten feet over that might have been on fire. So it wasn't the sand that was holy. And it wasn't the bush that was holy. But it was the fact God chose that portion of ground and it manifest himself and the God of the bush is what made it holy. And so we're not here tonight worshiping a building. We're not here tonight worshiping an assembly. 
We're not here tonight worshiping pews and, and carpet and pulpits. And we're not here tonight worshiping each other. But we're here tonight to worship God. And he's the one that we revere. This is his house. And it's the pillar and the ground of the truth. That by the church, when we stop and consider the fact that it's by the church, God has chosen the church to carry forth the truth. We've been given the truth. Pilate questioned, what is truth? Jesus said, every man that heareth my voice, hear the truth. He is the truth. That's what the Bible said. He was the way, the truth, and the life. And you and I, as the people of God, among the house of God, in the assembly of God, the church of the living God, we have been given the commission to hold forth the truth. That's right. Jesus said, I build my rock, my church on the rock of the truth, of the fact that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so the church is built on the truth. And the church hails for the truth. God has chosen the church to do his work. And the church is precious in the sight of God. The Bible said Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. And so we understand how much God loves the church. It ought to bring a reverence in us to behave ourselves as such as we are the people of God. And not just in here, but out there. We're not the church just when we gather together. And the reality is we have this mindset about this statement and there's nothing necessarily wrong with it but we make the statement that we're going to church or we don't go to church, we are the church. And if we can ever get our mind wrapped around that, this is just a meeting place. This is the house of God. But we are the house of God. And Peter said we're lively stones and we're built up a dwelling place. And that he dwelleth in us. We are the temple of the living God. And as such, we ought to behave ourselves with respect that we are the house of God. I believe that's right. God's built this up. We didn't build this. I understand that men built this building, but God built the church. All over the world, they're claiming how to build churches, and they may be building buildings, and there ought to be a degree of reverence and a degree of respect for the building. I think the building ought to stay clean. I think the building ought to be respected because it belongs to God. It's set apart to worship God. But I'm telling you, the fact is, we are the church, and we ought to behave ourselves as the church. We ought to behave ourselves as the church on Monday just as much as we do on Sunday. And we will if we behave ourselves in light of the reverence that we have the respect, the awe. That word revere means to stand in wonder and to stand in awe that we are the church of God. I was thinking this week and we're sitting in service and Brother Oakley made mention of it and I never thought of it before. Maybe you have. If you have, that's fine. Don't take my blessing away. It was good for my heart. We mention that verse all the time. It's in the Psalms. I looked it up again today because the Lord brought it to my heart and I hear people say it and I've said it all the time and we've misused it and I'm not knocking anybody but we make the statement. Hey, you know, when it's a beautiful morning and on a Sunday and we come into the house of God and we make the statement, this is the day the Lord's made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. But we don't say much about that on the on the rainy, the rainy dreary days. But I'm, that's not what the scripture's talking about. If you 
will go home and read it. And the context before said this is the stone which was set at naught by the builders talking about Christ and it's now become the head cornerstone fixed in it. And they said this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day. What day? The Lord's day. The day that he recognized the fact that it was set at the cornerstone. He became the foundation of the church. It instituted a new day. A day of grace. And this is the day that the Lord had made. This church day. This grace day. And we can rejoice and be glad in it. Because we're a part of the church. Yeah. I understand. I'm not knocking you. I don't too. I understand we get up in the morning and it's beautiful we think this is the and it is. He did make the day. He commanded there to be light once and there always has been. But whether the day is good or not, or whether the morning's beautiful or not, or whether the sun's shining or not, if we're saved by the grace of God, we can stand and say, because God had his day, then I'm a part of the church and we can rejoice and be glad in it. And so we ought to behave ourselves in light of the reverence that we have for the house of God. Then I want to say, according to scriptures, we ought to behave ourselves in light of the, of the responsibilities that we have in the house of God. Now you can preach that however you want to. It can be preached tonight, the responsibilities that we have in the building, or the responsibilities that we have in the body. But I'll say, if you have a responsibility in the building, it's just as much your responsibility in the body on Monday as it is your responsibility in the building on Sunday. See, we fail in our day to have a personal walk with God. I believe that's the reason the majority of churches are in the shape they're in. I believe that's the reason that, and I said I was going to preach the Bible but I'm going to tell you what I believe right here. I believe that's the reason the majority of Christians are in the shape they're in because they have a faithfulness to the house of God but they have no faithfulness to God. We've preached, we've raised a generation of preachers that all they want to preach is a three day a week Christianity. It don't work that way. Christianity's not a religion. It's not a three service week kind of thing. It's not a coach you put on on Sunday and then take off Sunday night, put it back on on Wednesday. If you get to come and take it back off and live another way through the week, but being a Christian's a way of life. It'll be as real to you on Monday as it is on Sunday. And if you have a responsibility in the building, then that responsibility is real to you in the body. And that responsibility ought to lay heavy on you as much on Monday as it does on Sunday. I believe that's right. I believe that's right. You say, what's our responsibility? Well, twofold parts, what the Lord put on my heart out of the scriptures. I think, first of all, we have a responsibility to the Lord. We have a responsibility to Him. I want to read you, and I have several places, Mark, because I don't want to misquote them. But here's what Paul said just a page before in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He said in verse number 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he had received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. 
So you say, what does that have to do with our responsibility to the Lord? Well, if you look at that word disorderly, it means to neglect our duty or to step out of our rank. Paul said, you can follow us. Now, that's a big statement. He said, for we behaved ourselves not disorderly among you. He said, we've not stepped out of our rank in front of you. Now you say, what does that have to do with us, preacher? Well, if we're going to take the Bible for the Bible and we're going to build line on line, precept upon precept, and let the Bible commentate on itself, then we can go to where Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy about being a good soldier. If we're in rank, that means we're a soldier. And Paul said to Timothy, a good soldier entangleth not himself in the affairs of this life. But a good soldier does one thing, he pleases the Lord and it shows him to be a soldier. And so that marks our responsibility to the Lord. He's the one that's chosen us to be a soldier and we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God above the building and the body as would please the one that's put us in the ranks. We're in the ranks of the people of God. Now just as it is in the military, we can't all hold the same rank. So it is in the body of Christ. Paul said we're many members. We're not one, but we're many. But we're all in the same body. And we've all been put in the body as it seemed good for God to put us. We cannot say, he said, can the ear say because I'm not the eye, I'm not part of the body? Or can the eye say because I'm not this? He said, are they not all a part of the body? He said we have need of every part of the body. And so we're all in the body. We all have our responsibilities. And we all have our duties. And we all have our ranks. But ultimately the one we're pleasing is the Lord. And we ought to behave ourselves in light of the responsibility that we have to Him. To please Him. And to honor Him. When we get up on Monday, and I'm just preaching and it's on my heart, exactly what the Lord put on my heart to say. When we get up on Monday before we walk out of the house, we ought to examine ourselves and we ought to ask the Lord for help to do what pleases Him on Monday. It's not about just coming to the house of God. But when we get up on Tuesday, we'll do the same thing. And when we get up on Wednesday, we'll do the same thing. And when we go on vacation, we'll do the same thing. And if it's questionable in our heart as to whether or not it be pleasing to God, I believe we'll leave it alone. I believe that's right. That's how we behave. We behave in light of our responsibility to the Lord. Now, God didn't put anything necessarily specific on my heart tonight to preach for or against as far as behavior. There's a lot of things we could say, but I'm just preaching to you by the help of God about it's your walk with God. You're the one that has to give an account to God. You have the relationship with God. You have the responsibility to God. And so you ought to behave yourself in light of the fact of your responsibility to the Lord. I believe that's right. But then the Lord put it on my heart. According to the scriptures, we ought to behave ourselves, not only in light of our responsibility to the Lord, but also, and Brother Tim mentioned tonight while we were singing about these young altos, and it blesses my heart to see that, not just because some of them are mine, but to see these girls, and hell, you watch them. 
I wish some of you could stand up here where we are and we sing one of them songs like we sing tonight and you look back at some of the, I mean these little bitty ones and their face is blood red and their veins are bulging out in their neck and they're giving it everything they got. What about us? What about us? When's the last time we gave it everything we had? I mean we just put everything we had in it because we knew our responsibility to the Lord. I'm going to tell you we not only, and he's the number one. I want to say that. He's the number one. We have a responsibility to him. And we ought to behave ourselves in light of that. But I want to say according to this Bible, we better behave ourselves in light of our responsibility to these little ones. We have a responsibility to them. Now I want to read you the Bible. According to Paul, as he wrote to Titus, he said, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience. The aged women likewise. Okay? So we take number three sometimes, verse number three, like Paul just wrote it to the ladies, but he uses the word likewise. So verse number three is written to the men and the women. And he says the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Men and women. Teachers. Who are we teaching? The little ones. He said that they may teach the young women. Now he's going to apply it specifically to the women. He's going to get to the men in just a minute. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God might be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. So we have a responsibility a responsibility to these little ones. And we ought to behave ourselves in light of the responsibility that we have to them. When we stop and examine our life and think about what they're seeing in us. I think oftentimes about Elijah and Elisha. That when Elijah's going off the scene, that he asked Elisha a question. He said, is there something I can do for you? Is there something I can give you before I be taken away? And out of all the things that Elisha could have asked Elijah for, it is for a double portion of thy spirit. He had seen enough in Elijah to want what the man of God had. Now I believe, and this is my opinion, I think Elisha was not being bold. I don't think he was being proud or arrogant. But I believe that Elisha took inventory of himself as been taught from the Sunday school lessons. He said, I'm half the man you are and I'll need twice of what you got. I believe that's the attitude Elisha was asking in. But nevertheless, he saw something in Elijah that made him want what Elijah had. Now I want to ask us, us, myself included, the question, do these little ones see something in us that would cause them to want what we have? 
Do we behave ourselves in the house of God, both the building and the body? In light of the responsibility that we have to these little ones. I understand our responsibility to the Lord comes first. I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, it's a sobering thing as a pastor, as a preacher, as a man of God, and to stand in this pulpit and look out over the sea of faces and see these little ones' faces and understand and be brought to the realization of how great a responsibility I have before God to these little ones. And I want to say something tonight, and I'm not being arrogant or mean or hateful, but it's not just my responsibility. I'm not the only one that has a responsibility to live holy and godly before them. They ought not, and I'm going to say what's on my heart tonight. They ought not, and I want them to see God in me. That's my foremost desire. I want to please God, and I want folks to know that I'm real, and I want these young people to know that it's real, but they ought not to have to come to church or to find somebody or to see God in their life. They ought to see it at home, in mamas and daddies. And I'm telling you, you've got a great responsibility in light of these little ones. And it's not just parents. Paul did not say, tell the parents of the children for them to live holy in front of their children and this parent to live holy in front of his child and this parent to live holy in front of her child. But he said all the aged men and all the aged women all live holy in front of all the children because they all have an impact and a responsibility on the kids. Some of you in this church, and I'm just going to preach my heart tonight. Some of you in this church will never know. You'll never know the impact you have on my children. And I'm saying this from my heart. We ought to live out to. I know. I mean, it weighs heavy on me about my responsibility. But we ought to take inventory and look around to how God's blessed us at Gospel Way Baptist Church. And I know some folks are visiting this morning. And if they come back, that's between them and God. I hope they do. But the church is full of young people. And we're having an impact on them. How are we behaving ourselves in the house of God? And behavior encompasses all aspects and all areas of our life. It's how we walk. It's how we talk. It's how we dress. It's our attitude. It's our perspective. It's our demeanor. It's how we carry ourselves. It's how we worship God. All of it is having an impact. We ought to behave ourselves in light of our responsibility to the Lord and the little ones. I know it's right. I know it's right. I'm seeing it every day. I mean, I am seeing it in the school. And I'm telling you, I've had conversations with some of the staff at the school, and it's impossible. And I'm going to say it's the same for the church. I know God has grace. And I know God can go far beyond what you and I can. But if it's not being reinforced at home, it's almost impossible for the preacher to affect them at just three times a week. It's not being reinforced at home. 
This is not the place where we come and drop our kids off and tell the preacher to tell them about God. That's our responsibility. This is a place for them to come and have what's being taught at home reinforced by what goes on in the building. This is the place for them to come and see that there's more than just our family unit that worships God, that loves God. This ought to be a place where our young ladies can have godly heroes and our young men can have godly heroes and look up to and say, I want what they have. have a responsibility to these little ones. And we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God based on that responsibility. But then I want to say tonight, and I'm done, we ought to behave ourselves in light of our reverence of the house of God. And while I'm there, can I say this? I was raised, and I know I'm young, I'm 32 years old. I'll be 33 if I live to September. But I was raised, and I understand. I'm not talking about little bitty babies. I'm not talking about having to go out and change their diapers. I'm not talking about nothing. I'm not talking about toddlers that are in training. I'm not talking about that. But I, I was raised that there should be as little disturbance and distraction in the service as possible. I believe that's right. I'm I'm just going to preach what I believe here for just a second and then we'll go back to where we were at. I believe that there should be, we ought to restrict some things in the house of God. When the preaching's going on, if it can wait, it ought to wait. When the altar call's going on, when God's doing business with folks, if it can wait, it ought to wait. I believe that's right. It's part of the reverence to the house of God. I do believe that. We ought to behave ourselves in light of the reverence for God's house. We ought to behave ourselves in light of our responsibility that we have to God, to the Lord, to these little ones. And then, I want to say lastly, and I'm done, we ought to behave ourselves in light of the relationship that we have with each other. That we're a family. We are a family. If you're saved tonight, no matter what your last name is, no matter who your parents are, we're all in the same family. We all have the same Father. The Bible said who the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And the Bible said that we're to do good to all men in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 10, but especially to them who are of the household of faith. I believe we ought to behave ourselves in light of the relationship that you and I as the people of God that we have with each other. You say, what is that? It's a family relationship. And you know what a family relationship's built on? It's built on love. That's what it's built on. That's what the Bible meant when it said love covereth a multitude of sins. Family relationship. We love one another, should love one another, oftentimes in spite of ourselves. That's right. And so when we come to the house of God, and when we see each other out there, we ought to behave ourselves in light of the love we have with one another. Now Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about charity. And charity is just, and the verse is not, though it is somewhat synonymous. It's been misquoted for years. 
The Bible does not say the greatest of these is love. It says the greatest of these is charity. And charity is a greater word than love. Charity means love put to action. It don't just mean for me to tell you I love you, but it means for me to show you I love you. When Jesus said greater love hath no man than this, the word there is the same word used for charity. It was demonstrated. God commended his love. He showed it toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he said the greatest of these is charity. He began to speak about all these things he could do. He said, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and I have not charity, I'm just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. He said, if I had the gift of prophecies and I understood all mysteries and all knowledge, and he said, even if I have all faith, now listen, faith is a great thing, but Paul said, if I had all the faith and could remove all the mountains and I have not charity, I'm nothing. Boy, ain't that a statement? I mean, ain't that a statement? He said, no, I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. It's all in the attitude with which the work is done. And we can do all these things as the people of God, for the people of God, among the people of God. But if we don't behave ourselves with love, we are nothing, according to Scriptures. And there's a lot of things the Bible says here about charity. I want you to listen, and I'll be done. He says, charity suffereth long. You know what that means? It's long-suffering. It's literally what that means. It is patient. It does not get angry easily. It is is tolerant of people. We have to be tolerant. I'm not talking about tolerant of sin. I'm not talking about tolerant of the world. I'm talking about among ourselves as the people of God. It said it is kind. It envieth not. It vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Charity does not thumb its galluses and say, look at me. I have charity. It doesn't work that way. I want you to listen to what the Bible says here. In verse number 5 of 1 Corinthians 13, it says, it doth not behave itself unseemly. Now I looked up that word unseemly. To not behave itself unseemly means it does not act unbecomingly. It does not act the opposite of it just is what it is. That's literally what it means. It's not hypocritical. Charity is charity and it's always charity and nothing more and nothing less. It's just charity. And as the people of God, our relationship between each other. Paul said, and I've quoted a thousand times, he wrote to Thessalonica, he said, you have no need for me to take the time to write to you about brotherly love, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. He was saying, as the people of God, it is natural for you to love one another. And so if we are what we are as the people of God, we will love one another. It said it seeketh not her own. It's not self-indulgent. It doesn't go for itself. It is not easily provoked. 
It thinketh no evil. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. What a statement. He goes on to say where there are prophecies, they'll fail, tongues will fail, knowledge it will vanish away. But he said, charity never faileth. I'm going to tell you, there's a reason. He said, the greatest of these, in verse number 13, and now by the faith, hope. Now these are big words. These are big Bible words. Faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest is charity. The greatest among the people of God that affect our relationship with each other is charity. We should behave ourselves in the house of God based upon the relationship that we have with one another and we love one another. I don't know if you've got anything out of it tonight, if it's helped you at all. It's been on my heart to preach to you tonight about how to behave ourselves in light of the reverence we have for this place. And not just for this place, but the place we have in the body. In light of the fact that it is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. In light of the responsibility we have to the Lord and to these little ones. And then in light of the relationship we have one with another, it ought to affect our behavior in the house of God. Father, I thank you, Lord, tonight for the privilege and the opportunity.